Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life. And the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. And today we've got another ringer. This is going to be a great episode. This is the start of a series that I'm going to highlight a lot of my staff, the people that actually do the work, that drive the machine, that leads to excellence. And so... I'm going to start with what I think is probably one of the most important pieces that you got to have in your company, and that is accounting. Accounting is one of those things that never sleeps. It is always on, and it's always doing something, and you've got to have the right person, the right individual to drive the thing. So you're not going to want to miss this episode, guys. It is going to be a game changer. All right. Before we get started, though, a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Shelly Peterson, Corey's better half. My husband shares amazing stories of the good, bad, and ugly of apartment investing. And while many of you want to do this yourselves, we have found that a lot of you would like to invest alongside with us. If that is you, I want to invite you to get on a short webinar where we discuss our deal room and how you can be a part of our private investor club. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and register now. You won't be disappointed. Again, go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar. And we look forward to sharing our private deal room with you. All right, we're back. So I've got Devon West. Devon um, has got such a wealth of knowledge. She's been in accounting for a very long time. And I'm going to let her introduce and give her background. But Devon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Corey. Great to be here. Awesome. So... Just to give everybody a little bit of background about who you are and what you've done, just tell everybody a little about who Devon is and Devon's experience. Well, I've done accounting for large companies and small companies for 25 plus years. We don't want to say too much there, Corey. <laughs> but I've worked for small companies, small entrepreneur businesses in the fast food industry. I've worked for one of Berkshire Hathaway's companies. It's probably page 10 of his assets, but you know, I worked for them for several years. And then back in 2014, I got my first taste of doing accounting with real estate and I love it. It's fun. It's not the same thing each and every day. It's just a blast to do. Yeah. It's like the sleuth in you comes out. It's like a mousetrap. I feel like I watch you do it and it's amazing. So we came on to our company as a controller. We actually hired you away from a larger company and you probably came kicking and screaming. I don't think you understand what you're coming into, but I got to tell you, first of all, I just want to give you some accolades on the air for this show is that you've just done an amazing job. And so if I can just give a background, when Devon came into my company, I'm just going to say I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur in the very classical sense that Corey is a thinker and a dreamer. He's a visionary. And so most visionaries, their attention to detail is at the end of the skill, end of the spectrum. And so, in other words, my financial house was a disaster when it came to my bookkeeping. So I got to tell you, it was very hard to open up and share that. But Devon came in and said, 
Wow. First, I think she said, wow. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> You're like, okay. I was like, goodness. Okay. So you and I had several conversations in the beginning. And it was like, when you flew me out to your home and graciously entertained Daryl and I, you said, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. And so you kind of laid ground what you expect me to do. And then so when I got in, it was like, goodness. Okay. So it was actually a challenge and I'm up for a challenge, but it was great. Not only was I able to help you, but I was able to understand what you were trying to accomplish and told you what was the right way, what was the wrong way. And it's been a great, great journey so far. And this is what I believe. Most entrepreneurs are flying by the seat of their pants, but they need someone is to ground them a little bit. And I actually gave you permission to ground me. Like, I don't know it all, and I'm going to listen. I sometimes kick and scream, but this is where Devon holds me to the fire. It's like, listen, damn it. This is the way it's going to be, right? Because this is the way, this is a gap accounting. This is how it needs to be done. And so you start thinking about those things. And as I look back, Devon, as I know I've looked back, I was like, gosh, the place we're at today is so radically different than the place we were at when we started. Yes, I agree with that. So for anybody listening, so, okay, controller. Now, I think you may need to be a certain size to have a controller, but maybe not. But you got to have someone that's good at accounting. But let's just talk about the high-level functions of what you do. Right. What I do is, in a perfect world, you have people underneath you actually doing the work And we're getting there, Corey, and I thank you for that. But I don't much get into the weed unless I need to. My people that are under me, they come to me with their questions. What should we do in this case? You know, but there are certain rules that are just black and white. So again, I review the financials for accuracy, make certain expenses are in the appropriate period that they need to be, what needs to be accrued and things like that. I'm making certain that our accountants are doing the accounting per gap and that we would pass an audit internally or externally. So that's the goal is ultimately no one wants to go through an audit, but we have our books so that, you know, I can say with pride that every audit that I've been involved in has passed. So that was all my accounting career. Every internal audit and external audit that happened, we passed. And that comes with a lot of little things too. So you don't think about these things as we're in business, but then it could be as simple as, okay, what are these credit cards, right? Swipe, 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 right? Well, how do they get coded? Where's the receipts, right? The One of the biggest things that you got me to do, which is I've been a horrible at this, was the receipt, I called Devon the receipt Nazi, right? And I'm like, God, Devon's, I'm like, no, she's going to ask for him. I'm like, gosh, bless. And she would, she wouldn't just ask, she would demand. She wouldn't just let me off the hook, right? She'd be like, damn it, Corey. You said it from love, but you're like, Corey, if we're audited, damn it, we got to have the backup. Yes, absolutely. And ultimately, That is the bottom line about why we do things the way we are. That's the foundation. And if the foundation is shaky, then everything after that is shaky. So we have investors that we have to answer to, and they deserve to have accurate books. Right. Um, One of the neat challenges that I've seen sometimes, like when we first came over, 
we were managing a third-party management company. So we're having to deal with their accounting, right? And so those accountants are doing the job and they're sending you books and now you're looking at them. Let's talk about some of the errors or common mistakes that you see a lot of. Well, I'll give you a few here. I have seen where the accountants have put expenses and for people that are accountants, this seems like a no-brainer, but I don't know why errors like this happen, but well, we suspect, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, some of theirs, they would code it below the line. When I say below the line, below net income, net operating income, they'll put it below that. Now, sometimes they do that intentionally. Sometimes they don't. I worked for a company before where the general manager of the restaurant were given bonuses based on what their NOI was. So they would put their monthly phone expense, if it was over budget, they would put it down in CapEx so that they could make their budget. Anything that was over the budget, they would tend to try to drop it down below the line so they could get their bonus. But I have a phrase, Devondo play. So we would put it back up there. I've also seen them put things directly to the balance sheet. And phone is a good example. They put the monthly phone expense right to the telephone or a fixed asset on the balance sheet. And that is an expense. And that needs to be part of your P&L. Right. Uh, so things like that are big issues. Yeah. What I really see too is, or even classifications, right? So expenses in the wrong spots, right? So we had a uh, I'm trying to think of like the contra, like the insurance billing, right? There's a yeah. place where usually a lot of times your third-party managers, management companies are billing for insurance and they're actually making a couple bucks off of it. They give you a couple of dollars too, but they'll have a revenue side where they collect it and a contra side and watching all that stuff match. And, and sometimes you're like, wait a second, you build us for this, but you didn't collect what you build for. Right, And so now we have an expense to a property that shouldn't be there. It's only what you collect. Correct. Correct. That's a perfect example of why some ownership groups want to put, and I'll use that as an example, or they'll put a bad debt versus bad debt recovery in the same GL account. Now, it really doesn't have an impact to your bottom line because yes, it does reduce, but you can, by keeping your expense and your reimbursement for bad debt, for example, when you keep those separate, you're able to judge and rate the success of the collection company that you're using. How much are you actually writing off versus how much are you collecting? When it's combined together, you don't really have the foundational number of what actually was written off. Right. Right. And so combination-wise, these are a bunch of uh, little things, but sometimes it can be large things, large items. I've seen large items in the wrong spots. How do they get that way? Like, where does these charges start and go wrong in the very beginning? What do you think it is? Well, there could be several reasons why this could be. You might have a manager that has spent without getting the approval before the expense incurred. So they might be over budget. Or even trained, right? I've seen that as a big one too for us. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times I feel like these managers get hired, but they never get trained on how to do AP. 
Right. And part of this is you can't really fault them. From our perspective, we are a support for our properties out there. They're out there making the money. And without that money, we are not in business. So part of this is a training tool. I had a past boss. It's either aptitude or attitude. You can train and teach aptitude, but you can't teach attitude. And my philosophy has always been give them a teaching moment. And most people with the right attitude will take that and say, ah, I've learned something today. My dad used to always say, it's not a waste today if you've learned something. And most property managers that we have, they're appreciative to learn these kind of details. Yeah, It's been great. Well, I think even before we've taken them over, when they're a third party, they're not even our employees. And that's when really, I feel like even more mistakes happen. We've gotten way better when we've taken over because we've given all our managers a chart of accounts. We coach them and teach them. But on the other side of that equation, when it's third-party management, like they just have this process. And a lot of times, AP, they kind of sub it out. I want to say sometimes they'll even sub that piece out to like somewhere in the middle of whatever, whatever country you want to call it. Yeah, but I don't hold them blameless on that either. You can do whatever you want with their business if they're going to hire it out, but you should still have accounts reviewing that. Yes, checks and and balances. And first of all, I think this is uh, one detail that many companies are lax on. They don't have a written policy for their CapEx. And if you don't understand what qualifies as a capital expenditure, how can you expect your property managers to get it right? Right. Yes. Understand what is CapEx, what is not, and is it part of a big overall budget for CapEx? Because normally, like, what were we thinking? I think it was door hinges or something like that, a door. New doorknobs that had the locks on them. Yeah. So typically, when you think about that, one of those would cost, what, 100, 125 bucks And that by itself would not be a capital expenditure. It's not worth putting below the line. But if you're doing an entire project of replacing all those locks on the entire property, yes, then that becomes a capital expenditure. It's a $30,000 job, but like we're going to do it phases at a time. Exactly. And so you're like, okay, no, that is part of our CapEx plan that does go below the line, right? Yeah. And there's another detail too that, most of our loans will have replacement reserve escrows that the lender requires a portion each month to be paid to keep the property in good condition. So you have to submit that draw back to the lender. So in order to be time efficient, I'll use garbage disposals. Those are under a hundred bucks each purchase. But on most loans that I've seen, that is considered a replaceable item as far as the escrow. So we here at Kahuna Management, we make certain that all of our items that apply uh, replacement reserve draw, we automatically code those to CapEx because that makes the draw time, you're spending less time reviewing your GL to see what needs to be. It's all in that CapEx section. Right. Right. It really is because every lender is a little different on that too. So it's kind of crazy. Now, the other part is a good controller is going to work hand in hand 
with either your third-party management accountants or like we'll talk about our vertical integration here in a minute but that piece of that how does that work how does that ebb and flow hey would you like to learn more about kahuna investments in our deal room let's do virtual coffee book a 15-minute call with us so we can learn more about your investment goals and how kahuna investments can help go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee to book your call today again that's kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee Let's have some virtual coffee and get to know one another. So let's just say we're taking two properties over and from a third-party property management company. So there's definitely got to be communications, first off, internally between operations and accounting. Before we even get to the takeover part of it, right? Just like, okay, we just buy a property, we put in third-party management. Mm -hmm. What does that look like from our perspective for Kahuna Investments working with the accountants that are going to be handling stuff? Well, okay, we certainly make certain we want them to use our chart of accounts. Whether you're putting it into your system or not, we want them to use our chart of accounts because we want that income statement to look the same to our investors. And we have certain categories, payroll and benefits. We have the R&M section. We have contracts. And Part of that is just making them understand. Here's a detail that you have to convey to the third-party management company and also to the properties. What constitutes a contract? From a property management perspective or a property manager perspective, they say, oh, yeah, I contracted with XYZ Electric to come out and fix our this. Well, they look at that as that's a contract that they made. From an accounting perspective, we have a section for our regularly scheduled contract expenses. That's the items that we want put there so that you know, okay, this is a regular occurring expense, quarterly, monthly, It could be like landscaping. Landscaping yeah. is one of those contracts. Like it's going to be recurring. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, we had a plumbing issue, so we got a contract with a plumber to do this one job. That's not really contract services. Right, right. And so that would be considered as like R&M, the difference between R&M. Yes, those contract expenses normally are considered repair and maintenance. But again, we keep them separate so we can monitor first to make our income statement so at a glance we know we're missing. The thing that I cannot, no, I have very little patience for is when a property management company or the property manager themselves have a stack of invoices on their desk dating last year that your accountants would never even know happened because they're only looking at it from an accounting perspective, which is why, kudos to you, Corey, he's got the plan of bringing all of those invoices in-house and let our home office be the hub. So again, it's still routed to the property manager and gotten the approvals that's needed, but this way we know All vendors know that they need to send the bills to us. This is a big issue, right? So this is one of those things that as you start managing properties, you'll start seeing the cracks, right? The cracks in the business. And as much as you want, there's a human element that you can't control. And you hire these property managers. You want to think that all property managers are the same and they're good. But we also use this thing called predictive index. And so I'll give an example. A property manager has to have a lot more modality. They got to be a leader of people. They have different strengths and weaknesses, right? And a lot of times we try to hire them with a higher level of 
degree that we'll call accuracy. In other words, they like to get the details right. But if we're going to error, we'd error on sales because we're in a sales position at the property site level. So is that person that is the property manager that's more team focused and people focused and more sales focused going to be as good as someone that works in the office 24-7 that could be all by themselves and loves detailed work and highly accurate 99% of the time. That person is going to be way more positioned to do it right each and every time than a manager that all of a sudden, oh, my day got away. I had these bills come in, but I didn't even send them. I didn't even enter into the system, which happens more often than we'd like to admit. Right, Devon? Yes. And even in our processes where we send out our prelim financials to our property manager in the regional, we say, are there any expenses that are not on the books that we need to accrue? And if they're in a rush, I've had property managers say, nope, there's nothing, nothing here and (laughs) nothing to see over here. (laughs) So, and then two or three months down the road, here we get this. And that becomes a serious issue, especially all you accounts out there when you cross over into the new year. Right. So then let's also talk about, you brought in a good segue is year end, right? Year end for accounting people is like the Super Bowl and World Soccer Cup and probably about four other events rolled into one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think it feels like. It's crazy. It's way more work than most people would even understand. Right. Help us unpack a little bit of what goes on during end of the year to tax time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Where to start? There's so many different areas. And you can't really say that one is more important than the other. First off, you have to issue the 1099. W-2s have to be issued to employees. And part of that is, let me talk about the 1099 issues first. If you're setting up those vendors correctly at the very onset, it's going to make your job easier at year end because then you're not going to have to go through and say, oh, is this considered taxable earnings for that vendor or not? That's why it's so important to have that W-9 on file. And most most good accounting departments will require a W-9 before they even set the property. I mean, set the vendor up. Yep, and send a check or do anything like that. There's no way they're going to. Correct. Check unless we've got that done. Yes, yes. And it's funny how it works because vendors, if they understand they're not going to get paid until they get that, send that W-9, they're pretty quick to get that Ma- to you. Magic. It's magic. <laughs> yes, it's, it's amazing. And then from our perspective, then we also have to prepare and get our financials finalized as quickly as possible so that our CPAs can start to work preparing the K-1s for our investors. Yeah. So the challenge, okay, so you've got payroll or W-2s, 1099s, that comes right out of the gate. Then you're trying to finalize end of month in January, but it's for the end of the year. It's not just even end of the month, it's end of the month and end of year. Like we got to make sure everything balances out. Anything that was, that's been out there kind of waiting, now it's got to get finalized. And like, what are we doing with this thing, right? Whatever, if there was anything outstanding that we need to clean up. And then there's a whole cleanup. And then we got to give it to our CPA. Now they start doing stuff 
And then here comes the issues. Oh my God, I didn't fill out my paperwork right. Oh my God, these are from your investors, right? I was supposed to be an LLC. Oh, I sent that money in my personal, like I can only name. So it's funny because this coming next year, we're like, we're going to start sending notices in like November, December saying, please check, make sure that all your stuff is right because it's so disruptive as we're in the middle of stuff. And then you go back to your CPA up different. We had to change. We had to change. We had to correct this. We had to correct that. And then they have to correct it. And we've had to modify returns after the fact sometimes, right? Yeah. Not all the time, but sometimes. And so now our CPAs are good CPAs in that they don't ever file anything until it's done, done, done. Their job is just going to get the 1099s out, but they're not going to file. I'm sorry, the K1s out, but they're not going to actually uh, close and file to usually way after you know, somewhere in the summertime because they understand that things happen and can change yeah. the return. Yes. I know I'm missing a lot more in that, but I feel like it's a fire hose that accounting people drink and they do it every year. You know, you pretty much. You guys are pretty special, by the way. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. January, you pretty much don't book anything. Even my daughter, I said, okay, you cannot get pregnant and have a baby due in January. That's just. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, it's a lot of fun. I love the pressure. Wouldn't want to do it 12 months of the year, but yes, you do see the results of hard work. But this is the magic of what you do. And the first year for us, it was a crazy wild west. This next year was a lot easier. And then it's getting better and better. We're getting more cleaner, more efficient, more organized. And we're eliminating a lot of the little things that had come up in the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah. But it's it's still a puzzle that you solve every year. Exactly. You know, I don't like jigsaw puzzles, but I love these kind of puzzles. (laughs) Right. And so everybody that's listening, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see Devon's, how she gets giddy. And that's when you know that's the right person, by the way. Accounting people love it. Like for me, that doesn't excite me at all. (laughs) Now watching Devon get excited excites me. Right. Yeah. And so the right people, when you put them in the right place, doing the right thing. And then you can tell Devon's passionate about this. She loves it, right? You've been doing it for a long time and you've done it at a very, very high level, right? Yeah. Well, I kind of want to ask more of a personal question, but because I feel like, so Corey's the dark side, right? We kind of talk about, she came to the dark side. She's always worked for more corporate America, right? And then I convinced her, I'm not sure how I did it. (laughs) She's like, I want to finish my career on the dark side. And I don't think she understood what she agreed to do, but I will tell you this. I told her this, when you're done here, it won't just be a mark. It'll be an exclamation point, like five of them in a row, right? It's that piece. There's people come into your life and your business that doesn't just do like one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 25. And so in my opinion, that's what Devon's done for our company is that she took into our chaos, the chaos that I had created, and she created calm around it and said, okay, and she did it in chunks. I just watched you work, Devon. You're like, okay, I'm going to get this done. Boom. All right. Got that done. Win. Right. I could tell her, okay, I got that win. And she's like, and then all of a sudden here, like, oh, I just jumped in this other hornet's nest. God damn. Corey, what am I doing? Right. Oh, it's been fun. Even in the 
when you thought the light at the end of the tunnel was never going to come. And then you see the light in the tunnel and we see it's a train coming at us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it really has been just a joy. You know, when you clean up something, and I know we accountants, we're a strange group, you know, but people that are accounting people, they understand this. I tell our accountants, it's like wrapping up the present and putting the pretty bow on and it's finishing it and it looks beautiful. I mean, some people just don't get when I say these are beautiful financials. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but that's it. That really brings you joy, especially when you get it right and the team is working in cohesiveness. And so what I believe is when this matches, when it comes together, because here's what just to kind of understand what Devon's done. So we cleaned all this stuff up. We've still been cleaning. Like it's way better. But then there was a time, this was about what, seven months ago. And we'll use this to kind of wrap up because we're getting towards the end. But we were having issues with a third-party management company. And I just knew, I'm like, gosh, guys, we got to make a change because our expenses were way out of control. And our AP accounts payable, way out of control. It wouldn't pay our bills. Oh, my goodness. It was so bad, right? And I looked at Candy. We're going to interview her probably next. She'll be on the next show, which is our COO of the management side of the regional people. And Devon, I was like, I went to those two. Those are my two pillars. Those two women are my pillars. And I was like, ladies, I got a proposal. (laughs) And I said, I think we need to create a management company. And I pretty much asked them if they're in. Now, Devon's like a team of one. (laughs) And she's like, oh, Lord, are you trying to break me? (laughs) At least that's how I remember it. How do you remember it, Devon? There was that serious moment of trepidation where I was like, oh, goodness, how in the world is this going to do? Because you're opening up another entire realm that needs to be monitored. But the other side of me was like, I've seen what the third-party management company is doing with our accounting. Yeah. We can do better than this. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And that's what I got from both of them. And when we said we're in, we all three knew what that, well, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think we all knew as much work as it was going to be. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And honestly, Devon, you've done so much of a lift that it's unbelievable. But we are coming through this thing almost. We're getting ready to get a couple more staff. And I look back at that and that decision that we all three made together. That is our exclamation point, I think, right? Of saying there's nothing better than having a couple people that you can really count on. It was an emotional journey for all of us. Well, look what we've accomplished. And today we're going live on another two other properties that we've migrated in. And that one came over a whole lot more quicker and smoother than those first ones that we brought in. Goodness, that took... Yeah, it was horrible, right? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of work. this one, we're in and out in two or three days. You guys told me, you're like, hey, we're back live as what? Yeah. Corey, you say something all the time. One of our principles is make things more better. We are certainly doing that every day when we come to work. It just seems like, okay, what can I touch today? to make Kahuna better than it was yesterday. And ultimately, that's really what we do in our entire personal life, too, or should be doing. We're just trying to improve. 
Amen. Amen. On that note, man, let's wrap it up. Devon, I want to thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to come on this podcast and share a glimpse of a day in the life of what the controller does. Any books that you've been reading that you'd love to share with the audience that you think will have a profound impact? Well, I do like self-improvement books. Right now I'm reading Jordan Peterson's book, The What is the 12 Rules for Life, an Anecdote for Chaos. I love him. I love listening to him. And uh, on the fiction side, I like Frederick Bachman. There was a recent movie made. It was an international movie, A Man Called Ove. And then I think the American people, Hollywood made a new one, but I can't remember what its name. I haven't seen that one with Tom Hanks. But Frederick Bachman's got some great fiction books. Awesome. Awesome. And what advice would you give to anybody that's new or entrepreneurish that's kind of looking to get in this business or just, you know, you've got a strong work ethic. What would you say to them? Well, if you have the desire to do it, I just say, surround yourself around people that will support you and help you achieve the goal that you want. I consider it just a sign from Providence that Corey and I got to meet each other and I'm a firm believer that the Lord puts people on your path to help you and that we can help each other. And I feel that it's been a certainly a wonderful relationship. Yeah, with it's been a Shelley. great two-way street. We've learned a lot from you, more than you probably know. It is a great relationship, and I cherished it. I'll always cherish it because I think that there is marks all over my company that have your name on it, right? Well, thank you, Corey. Yeah. Thank you. With that said, guys... This is why you want to listen to this podcast. No other place, no other podcast that I know of that does this, that shares the insides of the company and the people, the staff, the culture, how it works, the realness of it. Devon said, you know, surround yourself with people of like-minded that will help bring you and cultivate you. And she couldn't be more true. Like success doesn't happen by chance, guys. It starts with a dream and a vision, but it's cultivated by a team and nurtured by the right people. And if you let the wrong people into your life, they'll crush that dream. But if you bring the right people around you, they'll lift it up and they'll champion it. They'll help you succeed. And even when you fail and get knocked down a little bit, they'll build you back up and say, you know, that was maybe the wrong way. So try this door, look at it this way, but they won't deter you. And they'll keep saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can keep fighting for your dream, guys. I'm telling you, if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is absolutely possible.